0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. Coming up on episode 49, we discuss why the Columbus Crew controversy could be the best thing to happen to MLS. News about the River Plate's Boca Juniors game being streamed in the US. Details about YouTube TV being added to new streaming devices. And how the Bundesliga is leading the way with new audio technology. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer and I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnaya so Kartik, let's kick it off uh, and talk about what you've been watching this past week
1: yeah I guess uh, um, I'm realizing now that the first thing I watched this week was Atlanta Columbus uh, from, from Atlanta it was uh, a fairly entertaining game for a nil-nil and then a dramatic penalty uh, shootout where uh, Zach Steffen, the the crew keeper, made just an unbelievable world class save—the type of save you don't see ver- uh, very often, even in penalty shootouts—and Taylor Twellman, rightly on the ESPN broadcast, lauded it. And um, uh, Columbus advanced uh, on penalty kicks, and there were. Um, uh, uh, enough people watching this game to make you think oh well maybe there's something here or maybe it's the Atlanta game right it's the Atlanta factor 309,000 uh, viewers watching this game and obviously the, we're going to get back to that whole viewership thing later uh, in the show uh, the next day I watched Mainz and Eintracht Eintracht Frankfurt uh, with uh, uh, Ross Fletcher and Ian Joy uh, no Eric Winalda anymore on Fox uh, for this period of time during the USSF election A pretty enjoyable game uh, good call from those two the next morning uh, Manchester United Spurs, which was a more open game than I think uh, uh, maybe we had expected with Mourinho against a big team. Uh, Spurs without Harry Kane uh, decided also to rotate their team a little bit with a with an eye on uh, Champions League with Real Madrid midweek. And... Uh, the game was was fairly open at times. As, as I said, it was more open than I think we anticipated because we thought Mourinho would park the bus. Manchester United gets the win in the end, but I, I thought it was um, a pretty even game. Uh, England-Spain, U-17s, which was uh, Ross Fletcher again. Uh, this time he was paired with Lauren Barton. A... Uh, a really uh, entertaining game, Uh, U-17s, can sometimes be very, very entertaining. And and this game for a final was remarkably open. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had so many cup finals. We we talked about the NWSL, right, Uh, a couple weeks ago, the final in Orlando that was um, just so – so physical and negative and, 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 you know, more of a, an American football match it seemed, but this was a really open, um, uh, exciting, uh, game, exciting final, which England won.
0: That one, uh, that one, it, I, I think really that, um, Fox sports, uh, have found their duo for the, for the England matches in the world cup next summer. And that's Ross Fletcher and Warren Barton. Warren, I think most listeners would know. I'm not a big fan of at all. Um, but more so his studio analysis, which he just, just keeps on saying in terms of uh, just lots of adjectives and and not a lot of substance. But as a co-commentator and as somebody that knows this team inside and out um, and, of of course, knows the Three Lions, paired with Ross Fletcher, I think the two of them were fantastic. I mean, the game was exceedingly entertaining um, even towards the end. It got a bit scrappy and physical. Um, but the passion on display was fantastic to watch. Uh, I really enjoyed Fox Sports' uh, coverage of this event in, in, in general. But I hope that Fox looks at this and says, hey, let's, let's put Russ Fletcher and Boren Barton together for the England Games next summer.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's this this possibility. You know, uh, based on history at ESPN, they're not going to want Alexi Wallace on England games, um, given his uh, his his views. Although, I mean, the reality is, every tournament Wallace has made these dire predictions about England, he's proven to be correct. So um, let's not let's not forget that. Yeah. Um, Next morning, uh, Brighton-Southampton, that was an entertaining game. Uh, Then Lester Everton with uh, Arlo White over on Big NBC. Um, A really kind of um, disappointing game from the standpoint of, I mean, Lester were good under Claude Powell. I expected them to come out flying and buzzing, and they did. But um, David Unsworth, who's a a guy I remember well as a player for Everton, shook up the team, went to kind of a more traditional Premier League side, if you want will. Uh, he dropped uh, 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 every new signing that they had made other than Wayne Rooney, who, of course, he had played with, Unsworth. And Rooney's first at uh, Everton brought uh, Aaron Lennon back into the team, brought Kevin Morales back into the team, uh, brought Tom Davies back into the team. Uh, guys who are, Premier League players and uh, experienced Premier League players. And uh, well, Davies is only in the second season, but is, is, is part of a kind of an English core of that team. And uh, dropped Michael Keane, um, went with just two, two, two center backs in, in Elka and Ashley Williams, two uh, experienced center backs. And, and they got ripped open, they got ripped apart. Yep. Um, one, one thing about this match, though, Kartik, that I, I've
0: talked about in previous weeks in terms of uh, being a cord cutter, and uh, usually. The, the, the ones I struggle with the most in terms of trying to watch the games are the ones that are on over-the-air NBC. Now, I could, I've could i got a, a indoor HD antenna that I can hook up, uh, but it's not hooked up currently, but I could hook it up and watch over-the-air NBC games. But this one, uh, because it was on a Sunday, um, and that particular match wasn't on uh, Universo, which is usually kind of my backup plan whenever the games are on live NBC, and I can't see them on my local uh, Fubo or my local Sling TVs, I, I kind of switch over to Universo. But with it, no Universo for this game, I, I was actually, I missed the game. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break and, and just uh, do something different for a couple of hours and um, miss the match. So that, that's that been my only um, kind of negative in terms of uh, cu- cutting the court thus far. I, I could, if I had thought ahead of time, I could have gone ahead and set up, stood up the inter- antenna, uh, which only takes like five minutes. But I was like, eh. I'm not going to worry about it. It wasn't meant to be in this particular, particular instance.
1: Oh yeah. Backtracking a bit. I forgot about on Saturday, I watched the Bayern uh, R v Leipzig game. And again, uh, I don't know why this keeps happening, but every time these two teams play, Leipzig has an early red card that ruins the match. And uh, this is the third time, the third successive time they played in Munich that that's happened, Uh, third time in four matches between the two teams, cup and league, and and it just ruined what would have been a a good spectacle for for the league, two teams fighting to be at the top of the table. Now, this weekend, uh, Borussia Dortmund, is going to play host to uh, Bayern Munich in what is uh, now a must-win game or at least a must-draw game for, for uh, Petter Bosch and, uh, and Borussia Dortmund as, as the league. Uh, they've gone from having a five-point lead in the league to being three points behind uh, uh uh, Bayern in a matter of just a, a handful of weeks. So, mm-hmm. uh, Borussia Dortmund, I think, now on a five-match winless streak in in all competitions. Yeah, um, they've they've, well, they've been poor. And also, a listener, I know to the listeners in terms of this
0: match on Saturday, it's on FS2, uh, which is a shame because FS1, yeah, FS1, yeah, FS1 for college football. I mean, in previous years, they've put it on FX. um, What was that? FXX. I don't know. Whichever one it was. (laughs) But in this instance, uh, no can do. So it's on FS2, which means a lot of fans are going to miss out on this match, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that was really unfortunate, actually. Um, And I, I don't know um, what Fox's level of commitment is to showing up uh, to moving Bundesliga games. They did it in the past, as you said, but it doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot this season. Now, maybe after football season ends, that's always uh, the caveat in college football wise. Uh, Fox had a very, very big game on Saturday, which was Ohio State and Penn State. So uh, maybe it just ended up being the wrong weekend. It, 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 that's what happens, right? Uh, NBC has only had one weekend this season where they haven't shown a game over the year, and it was the weekend where Chelsea-Man Man City would have been in that slot. So sometimes uh, you can't control those things, and maybe Fox was just in a bad position with this. Yep. Uh, Moving on, Vancouver-Seattle on um, on Sunday night on ESPN, a terrible match to watch. Uh, Brian Schmelzer now, I think, is, is developing a reputation as a manager who will go away from home uh, in MLS playoff matches and park the bus and look to play on the break. Uh, it was a chippy match, uh, two teams that don't like each other, obviously, uh, uh, neighboring neighbors, uh, uh, the clo- one of the closest things we have to a derby in in uh, The first division in the U.S. and or U.S. and Canada, and it uh, was—I just thought a terrible match. Um, Carl Robinson tried to uh, get some attackers on late for Vancouver uh, to to make a push, but uh, Seattle was playing pretty defensively. So uh, that was a a a pretty dour game. Uh, There were two MLS playoff games on on Monday night. Uh, The the Red Bull versus Toronto game for me was a disappointment. Uh, New York didn't play. As well as I had hoped, um, Foxes. is... I, I enjoyed it, though.
0: I, I mean, from my side, I thought uh, it was an entertaining game in terms of it it was an open game. Yes, the Red Bulls uh, could have been and should have been better, but at times they had spells, they had chances. Um, the one thing I noticed from this match, Kartik, was, which was, was just strange, was all the empty seats. I was just really surprised by that for a, uh, a playoff game, especially so close to... You know, it's, in, it's in New Jersey, but so close to New York. Um, disappointing there, but actually the, the match I thought was pretty uh, re- relatively entertaining.
1: Yeah, I think it's just been an underwhelming season for Red Bull, and uh, they've been right at the top of the Eastern Conference the last few seasons. Uh, go- actually, going all the way back to twenty eleven, uh, and this was a season where they they didn't perform pretty uh, particularly well, and um, you only had a few days to. Um, Sell tickets. So I, I kind of understand um, the lack of the lack of fans in the seats. Uh, and I was disappointed by them because I, I have very high expectations for a Jesse March managed team with the kind of players they have in their team with Sasha Clyston and Tyler Adams and, and Bradley Wright Phillips, among others. So uh, I was disappointed, but Toronto played well and Jovinko uh, had a, had a brilliant goal, right? Had a, had a brilliant, uh, yep. a spot kick, um, or, or free kick.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. Um, next day, obviously Columbus, uh, New York city FC. I think we're going to talk a lot about this, uh, going forward. Um, Adrian Healy and and Taylor Tolman did an outstanding job on this match. There's so much surrounding Columbus, and um, the number for this match was significantly higher Mm -hmm. than any other MLS uh, uh, conference semifinal matchup. uh, The other three,
0: yeah, Uh, this match. This match, I I would say, I would point out that the uh, the video assistant referee. uh, incident that happened in the match was a, a fantastic point in the game because there was a, a deliberate uh, elbow uh, on one of the Columbus players you know, in the head or in the neck and uh, the referee didn't spot it but the uh, the crew, either up in the booth or in the truck, noticed it uh, radioed down to, to the referee to let him know about that. The one thing I was disappointed with, even though eventually the, it was awarded as a red card um, was just the amount of time again it took to figure it out because the referee got the call over the radio, then went ra- ran over to the one side of the pitch, I guess, to go on the walkie-talkie uh, to talk to somebody, probably the booth, to probably get a, a clearer, probably signal. Who knows? Um, and then had to run over to the other side of the pitch, then to look at the, the actual TV screen. And I was thinking to myself, like, why wouldn't the walkie-talkie be near the actual um, TV screen so it could, it could t- cut down like t- 30 to 45 seconds? Uh, in the In the delay of the game to actually figure out whether or not it should have been a red card or not, but eventually the the correct decision was given so so it is a win uh, after all, but just uh, again, I think just have to work out the kinks and kind of speed up that system a little bit
1: yeah um, I, I have to say though it 's not as bad as it is in Germany in Germany, there are long delays it 's uh, really kind of uh, Undercutting the enjoyment and, and the flow of the match. That having been said, uh, in Germany they're getting the calls right, I and mean, they're absolutely getting the calls right. Which in MLS you could argue they're not always. Um, yeah. And you know, this goes back to the conversation I had with Howard Webb now, uh, three months ago, where uh, we discussed uh, the, uh, the 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 the, co- the compromise or the trade-off between uh, match flow and getting calls right. And uh, Webb was obviously was was a, was somewhere in the middle on that. Yes, we're going to, we're going to, um, be able to correct a lot of, uh, bad calls, but not every missed call because, uh, once, uh, another event happens, we just forget about it. Whereas in Germany, I mean, I've seen them blow something dead, uh, 15, 20 seconds after the fact, and then go back and look Mm -hmm. and then have a, have a drop ball. So, um, different interpretations, uh, also keep in mind in MLS, uh, the, um, the the replay official the the VAR is at the ground whereas in Germany they're in Cologne in a big uh, in a big studio so right. uh, which is the way it's done by the way in in American college football where if you uh, the ACC conference that here in Florida Florida F- F- in Miami are in um, the replay officials are in Charlotte <laughs> watching on television so um, that's the way it's done in some even American leagues um, moving on in the Champions League on Tuesday um, I had. Chelsea and uh, Roma on. Uh, got to watch it, but had it on mute. It was a uh, great, great, great performance from Roma. So props to them. Uh, didn't really watch the uh, pre-game show. I know you'll be, we'll be discussing that uh, when you go through what you watched. And look forward to chatting about that. Uh, Wednesday uh, was able to watch Napoli and MCFC. Uh, very, very uh, entertaining match. Open match. Switched on and off a little bit with with Spurs and um, and. Uh, um, Real Madrid, Guy Mowbray and Danny Higginbotham, great call for the Napoli Manchester City game. A great point after the match on Fox's post-game show, Alexi Lalas. Now. Um, Sergio Ramos is such a controversial figure. We don't talk about him much on this show, but I think he tends to polarize opinion and opinion among those who cover the sport. And Lawless, who is a former defender makes the point, And I, and I thought really correctly that um, there, there is a, a break for Spurs and Ramos fouls. Um, I think it was Christian Eriksen or Dele Alli fouls them, but doesn't, doesn't break up the play. Right? Mm-hmm. So basically if you're going to commit a foul in the open field and take a, a yellow card, Anyway, I, I, Lalas's words were: "You need to be a professional. You, know, you need to break up the play." Right. Um, yeah, there's something really wrong with Real Madrid. I, I didn't mention it earlier. I, I also watched pieces of the Real Madrid Girona match. Um, the Girona match was, um, believe it or not, because this is something that I think people assume when they see Real Madrid loses the likes of Herona or own or, or somebody, somebody uh, that they were peppering uh, the opposition with shots and the opposition keeper made great saves or they were just shots that hit the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't really the case in that game. I mean, Real Madrid looked uh, um, they looked like a, a team that was defeated. It was similar, yeah. similar to the way the U.S. looked against Trinidad and Tobago uh, <laughs> going back a few weeks. And then this game against uh, Spurs they were just not, not at the races at all. Um, yeah. And great yeah. Yeah I I thought the same thing too. I mean I mean I was just surprised. I was shocked really
0: at how bad Real Madrid was. How well played uh, uh Spurs did. But uh yeah, I just could not believe it. it. It it almost felt like um like Real Madrid were half half asleep. It was just very strange, especially kind of when you think about back to the first leg of this match and um how fantastic and yeah, how many shots that uh, Real Madrid peppered uh, Hugo Lloris uh, uh, with. And it just was end-to-end, kind of just... Well, actually, it was just one-way attack against Spurs. And Spurs were lucky to hang on for a draw there. But uh, this match was... I just was, was shocked at how poor uh, Real Madrid were.
1: Yeah, there was a... Um... A debate uh, which uh, descended into kind of uh, name calling, for lack of a better word, between Dan Thomas and uh, Craig Burley on Monday's ESPN FC show about Barcelona. Uh, excuse me, yeah, about Barcelona and Real Madrid. Because I, I guess Burley took the occasion to try and uh, chide Thomas for saying, "Look, you you keep asking me, is this the end of an era with Barcelona? It's clearly the end of an era with Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they're, they're 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 already eight points back, and it, it just just kind of descended into this." It it, it was entertaining, but um, I think Burley's point was um, well taken, which is that we all were dismissing Barcelona preseason. We were dismissing Barcelona based on on Neymar leaving and Iniesta being older and and, and maybe um, a perceived drop-off in uh, the play of of Busquets and and Pique, uh, when in reality it's Real Madrid we needed to look at because – they are so dependent on a single player to bail them out in um, in tough matches like this match against Spurs that if Ronaldo isn't um, a magician, isn't playing at an, an extra world, a world, and an, a worldly uh, level. They're not winning these matches, and yeah. that's what we're seeing now. Ronaldo is struggling. He's played a lot of football. He had he has had a, a summer tournament um, three of the last four years. Right, he had Confederations Cup this summer, this past summer, Euros before. So there's a lot of tread on those tires, and there isn't anyone else on that team able to step up and, and be a match winner for them. And we saw that in this game. And we even saw in this game, I think a midfield, uh, with, uh, uh, Harry Winks from from Spurs. You know, latest guy, Pochettino, who uh, has plucked from their from their youth ranks and, and integrated into the first team, really controlling um, the flow of the game. I mean, I thought Isco, the, the, the little bit of this I watched, I thought Isco was really poor. So, yeah. a lot to talk about with Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, th- this match actually reminded me a lot of Portugal. When you've seen Portugal play in, in previous uh, competitions or, or, or games, really, where there's so much reliance on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. the rest of the team kind of sit back and sit back a little bit and just wait for Ronaldo to lift, lift the game slightly. Uh, yeah, I thought Real Madrid also, uh, obviously missing Gareth Bale. I think that was um, a big miss there. But uh, Benzema was invisible. There were so many players on this pitch that were invisible. And uh, But but congratulations to Spurs on a fantastic, shocking victory. Uh, I watched this game from a coffee house. Uh, not the Amsterdam type, but a, a coffee house in, uh, in Delray Beach, Florida. Just really enjoyed watching this one because... 99% of the time, I'm watching from home, uh, from my home office. So I was really, uh, I really, really enjoyed kind of going out and actually watching this you match here.
1: I would point out that Alexi Lalas and um, Brad Friedel and uh, Warren Barton had a long conversation, maybe a longer conversation than they should have had on it. But this is what Gary Lineker does on social media about Gary Lineker uh, tweeting about Benzema yeah. uh, being substandard and and. Um, uh, you know, Zidane, feeling he needed to respond to Lineker. It's funny, Lineker, um, and I'm a big Gary Lineker fan, Chris, but it seems like Lineker is having more impact these days with his tweets than with anything he's saying on air at, at the BBC. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Well, that's that's the thing that's a breath of fresh air, though, Karthik, is
0: that Wednesday's pregame UEFA um, Champions League pregame show, uh, because Grant Wall wasn't on it, they had you know, 30 minutes to actually discuss hey, the Champions League uh, and and that, the, the, the tweet was brought up, uh, I think there was a couple other interesting conversations and, and uh, topics that they had and it allowed the, sh- the show to kind of flow a little bit more naturally, given it is a Champions League uh, uh, in preview show, uh, kind of pre-game show yeah, but I, I thought Wednesday was great in terms of um, the analysis and coverage uh, by Fox Tuesday was a different story and uh, Tuesday um, on the set instead of um, Eric Minalda uh, it was Ian Joy, which was fine. Ian Joy did a great job. But, um, I don't know, Karthik, I, th- I think Fox Sports at this point feels like it's Fox News <laughs> or, 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 or Pravda. Because, because, because on Tuesday at the the game show, uh, they bring on Grant Wall, uh, which is okay. I mean, at any... His segment was kind of the, the teaser that they had was that uh, this is a, uh, American uh, kid that's playing at Roma and he's got some questions about like whether or not he's going to be able to stick with the team or whatever it was. Kind of an interesting teaser, so it brings you back in. And the first story that he comes out with is that uh, several sources have revealed to Grant Wall that Dan Flynn, the USSF uh, CEO – uh, was planning on stepping down, but uh, he's decided that he's going to uh, stay in, stay in office. And um, and essentially, the the, the, the the feedback or kind of the input on this story was that look at how great this is for USSF. It's going to add stability to the to uh, to the federation. And isn't this wonderful? And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the same guy, Dan Flynn, who. Uh, was in front of the what, U.S. Senate commission about um, corruption and um, the influence uh, of corruption in FIFA, and he was called to to the mic and was there in Washington D.C. for this U.S. Senate uh, commission, and did to me I thought a horrible job in terms of representing the USSF. He went there instead of uh, Galati because Galati was too scared to be to be uh, on record. And to me, Dan Flynn was—that's uh, just one instance, but one instance of just like how weak he is as, as a CEO. And meanwhile, Fox is kind of trumpeting this as as great news, and this is this is news, and this is something that we we should all care about.
1: And, and something something I. Uh ironically reported Monday night or, or re-reported, you know, four years later, Dan Flynn was on the small task force committee from CONCACAF that actually awarded the marketing rights to uh, traffic sports for CONCACAF, uh, which is uh, an entity that uh, then a uh, year and a half later was indicted uh, and, and pled guilty to uh, all these charges of, of, of bribery and, and, and money laundering of, as part of the FIFA investigation and whose executives have all been um, arrested or or several of them have been arrested in in the FIFA probe. And uh, one of which uh, Aaron Davidson is awaiting sentencing as we speak, Dan Flynn actually voted, recommended uh, and voted for that, that, that contract marketing deal. So um, when you talk about FIFA corruption, he's not, um, he's, he's, you could you could interpret that he's not completely clean, and the U.S. Soccer Federation isn't completely clean. Uh, if if there is one person who needs to go, because I, I Grant Wall has made the point, um, maybe as a defensive gladi or, or whatever, that Dan Flynn and and I believe Jay Burhalter, who's the brother of Columbus Crew head coach. Greg Berhalter, actually run the U.S. Soccer Federation. Given the situation the U.S. Soccer Federation is in, which includes now being sued. that um, was in court on Tuesday. By the time some people listen to this podcast, you might know if, if the NASL got a temporary injunction. But uh, being sued by a member league, which includes uh, the controversy over uh, equal pay with the women and, and, and the CBA, which includes uh, uh, the CAS case where, uh, they've been, uh, uh, where there are two uh, clubs, Kingston and Miami FC, that have taken – uh, uh, file a claim with the Court of Arbitration on Sports, uh, and then also given the, just the absolute disaster of the, the U.S. men's program. Um, the, 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 reality, the fact that he is uh, the, the most powerful man in U.S. soccer, and he is staying on, and it is couched by Grant Wall as kind of a favor to soccer, just kind of tell it gives you the Pravda Fox News feel of how Fox Sports has become when it comes to uh, any topic related to U.S. soccer and um, and the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, yeah, yeah there, there's no uh, objectivity uh, from
0: sport, Fox Sports in terms of reporting this. There's no – I mean, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in terms of how this story uh, came to Grant Wall, whether it was USSF, you mean, whether it was Dan Flynn himself or – you mean the, the the press corps within uh, U.S. Soccer that called Grant and said, "Hey, you know, we got, we got a story for you for, for Tuesday. Uh, maybe you can do it as a lead story. Here we got uh, exclusive about Dan Flynn was thinking about stepping down. Which, if he's thinking about stepping down, he should have stepped down. But no, right. no, no, he's coming back. You mean isn't this wonderful news?
1: Isn't this great for the future of U.S. Soccer? I'm like, give me a break, Chris. Think about this though. Um, this is the important point I was making before the U.S. was eliminated from uh, the World Cup. If the U.S. had um, or from World Cup qualification, right, they didn't make it to the World Cup. If the U.S. had had three group games in Russia, we probably would have been subjected to this sort of talk on the Fox Studio shows uh, the whole first three weeks of the tournament or two weeks of the tournament while the U.S. was still alive. And then we could there would only be a pivot from Fox to actually covering uh, the, the type of uh, storylines that ESPN traditionally covered in the last few World Cups once the U.S. was eliminated. So mm-hmm. uh, again, this reminds me, this, this very episode reminds me that uh, while I'm very upset from a sporting perspective the U.S. has been eliminated, from a TV viewership perspective, uh, I can probably watch Fox more safely than I would have uh, otherwise. I probably would have been forced to watch Telemundo. A lot of the World Cup on Telemundo because uh, Fox, they just they, they force American storylines into anything they do. I want to remind our listeners that when the U.S. was eliminated in the 2015 Gold Cup in the semifinals by Jamaica, half the pregame show for the final between Jamaica and Mexico was dedicated to U.S. men's mm-hmm. national team. Where did they go from here? When they had been eliminated in that tournament mm-hmm. and there was a game, a final, a championship game involving two other teams. That was about to kick off, so that's where they are when it comes to storylines with the U.S. Same, very much kind of the same thing in the Women's World Cup as as the tournament progressed um, in Canada in 2015. So, um, par for the course from them. They yeah. are they are like Pravda when it comes to this. When well, it comes to U.S. Soccer. Well,
0: my guess is with, without seeing it, card, that ESPN FC probably didn't even mention one word about this. i mean it's 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 a non-story,
1: really? No, I wasn't on uh, the ESPN FC show that right. night.
0: All right, and then uh, in addition to other, the other matches, I saw many of the matches that you saw, um uh, Some of the other matches that uh, I did see that you didn't get a chance to see. I so, saw uh, Besiktas against Monaco. This was the early game on Wednesday in the Champions League. What an entertaining match this was. End-to-end action, and uh, Besiktas, uh, just incredible atmosphere. As always, I just, I just love that team in terms of... Um, how passionate those fans are and uh, seeing players like <laughs> Ryan Barbell and uh, Joe uh, jo um just, just, I mean, older in age, um, still have some of that skill, but not quite there uh, in their prime uh, by any means, but uh, just a really entertaining match to watch. Uh, also, I think uh, the only other matches I watched uh, that you might not have caught were Burnley, Newcastle, uh, pretty much a dud, a dud of a game until uh, towards the end, but I uh, also saw Arsenal against Swansea. Uh, the only thing I can say about this one was that uh, the NBC Sports Gold Service uh, worked like a charm, no problems at all, and the game was forgettable. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news.
1: Yeah, um, a lot uh, a lot uh, this week in terms of uh, what's been happening. Uh, more bad news for... Traditional TV, cable, satellite providers. at and saw a decline of 251,000 uh, subscribers for Direct TV and 134 I, uh, IPTV uh, U-verse subscribers during the third quarter. So that's a total of almost 400,000 um, between the two uh, for a net loss of uh, 385,000 uh, traditional TV viewers that's for one quarter so if you prorate that over a year that's almost 1.6 million and and you and you see why the cable subscription numbers for each channel which has uh TV rights to soccer broadcasts uh continue to decline
0: yeah yeah and that goes across all sports too not just soccer but uh definitely numbers oh, yeah. Yeah. continue to decline there so, a relatively new streaming company called Fanatus uh, will be streaming Sunday's River Plate against Boca Juniors uh, Super Classico. Uh, the legal streaming company will be offering a limited amount of free online passes to watch the game. So, head on over to worldsoccertalk.com for the links and more information about that.
1: Uh, that's pretty exciting. And um, that will be uh, obviously on, uh, on uh, a Sunday, a big uh, Super classical match. Um, Moving on, DirecTV now has launched a new promotion where brand-new customers so the streaming service can get a free Roku streaming stick if they prepay for two months of service. More details can be found uh, over at our site at worldsoccertalk.com. Now, YouTube TV, uh, we've
0: been talking about this uh, in previous episodes, but they're rolling out uh, apps now for the Roku, Apple TV, Xbox One, and other streaming uh, devices. So right now, for example, the Roku one should be uh, live in a few weeks. And uh, they'll be adding YouTube TV apps to a lot of these different streaming uh, packages. That's good news for YouTube TV subscribers because um, oftentimes I think a lot of us cord cutters end up uh, living, uh, in, in quotation marks, uh, on, say, a Roku or Amazon Fire or you know, other devices. And uh, without YouTube TV being on, on any of those, really, it's a challenge. So for me personally, using YouTube TV, I've been using Chromecast but it's an extra step because you have to you know, unplug the Roku, plug in the Chromecast, and set it up. Uh, so it takes a few more steps than, than it would if it's already uh, installed. The other thing about YouTube TV, too, and just a slight correction on what I mentioned a few weeks ago when I did talk about uh, YouTube TV and whether or not it was going to be a good fit for soccer fans or not, I still stand by saying that it's not a good fit for most soccer fans, but I do want to correct myself because I did mention at the time that uh, it didn't get FS1 or FS2. Actually, it does. Um, the way that it's laid out, sometimes it's difficult to see the, the channel layouts, but it, it does have FS1, FS2, your local Fox, um, as well as ESPN, but the, the big one that it doesn't have for me, at least, is being sports, and, I you mean, you're missing out on everything from La Liga to Serie A to a lot of these World Cup qualifiers, um, and much, much more. So, so so far, YouTube TV is getting better, and uh, more apps It's coming soon, but at this, at this point, still, it's not the complete package for uh, soccer fans.
1: Yeah, the next one is is pretty exciting. DFL subsidiary SportsCast, which produces all the uh, Bundesliga 1 and Bundesliga 2 matches, has launched a new audio production system. Live tracking data, data on players is used to set the correct input levels for the microphones used to record what is going on 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 the pitch. This creates an entirely new and realistic audio experience for the viewer. Uh, Using the existing microphones, their positions on the edge of the field and their directional characteristics, the system determines which microphone can best capture what is happening on the field at any given time, automatically sending the necessary commands to the mixing console. Uh, The sound engineer. Sitting in the broadcast van can use automated mixing of field microphones in over in the overall mix, and thus has far more leeway for enhancing the aesthetics of the broadcast sound during the match. And I think when it comes down to it, Chris, one of the reasons the Premier League has been more popular I, there are multiple reasons, right? We don't have to get back into this the discussion we've had over and over again. But one of the reasons Premier League has been more popular than other leagues in. Uh, European leagues on American television has been the way they use sound to enhance their, their, their telecasts, or broadcasts. And the Bundesliga, I notice, has been making strides the last few years uh, in catch, in catching up with uh, uh, the Premier League and giving really kind of a great aesthetic feel if you're watching a broadcast. And this will just even further enhance it and, and close that gap even further. Uh, it's a lesson for uh, La Liga and Serie A and Liga and the other leagues to, to, to see what the Premier League and Bundesliga are doing on the audio side and how that can enhance the popularity of their lead. Uh, in markets like the U.S. market,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think audio, uh, by far, is one of those things that we kind of often forget about in terms of being soccer fans. Uh, how important that is! And, and Kartik, uh, you and I were at Gold TV, probably gosh, ten years ago, whatever, whatever yeah. it was, and we saw the guy, kind of the audio mixer that had uh, the feed, and he was kind of tr- trying to balance, okay, how much uh, of the crowd noise can we can we put into the, the audio the, the actual TV broadcast of? I think it was a Bundesliga game actually, and uh, trying to balance that with also with the commentators, so they they can control kind of okay the, the crowd noise whether to you know set it back a bit and then have the commentators be louder, uh, or kind of try and find a nice mix between the two, which which I prefer. Uh, we got a tweet this week too. I forgot who it was, who it was from, but. Somebody saying about the Champions League in terms of, I think it was the Man United Benfica match, and just saying that, uh, no, 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 it was Spurs Real Madrid, and he was just saying how quiet the fans were. And he's like, there's no way that those, you mean, 80 to 90,000 fans at Wembley Stadium are that quiet for a game like this, especially such a. I mean, entertaining game. Yeah. Um, he says it just seems that the, the audio is kind of mixed kind of poorly. But, um, yeah, it's a big deal. I and mean, actually, it's, it's good to see that Bundesliga is leading the way in terms of using technology to try to improve this uh, well,
1: audio. Specifically on that visit we made to Gold TV, and I think it was 10 years ago. I think it was November of 2007, if I remember correctly. So exactly 10 years ago. The guy who was mixing told us how much better the, the raw feed they got from the Bundesliga was versus La Liga. So even at that time... Uh, La Liga was was miles behind the Bundesliga in terms of of what kind of audio product they were they were giving to their official broadcaster in the United States. Um, And quite frankly, 10 years later, I don't think that gap has been bridged at all. Mm
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and you've seen I think yeah, Serie A and some other places too, where it just sounds like know, you, 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 it, it really pulls you in, and, and sometimes with Serie A games, especially kind of the um, the stadiums that have the uh, the track around the pitch, probably same thing with West Ham too, with with their London stadium, is that you don't feel as Intimate with with the actual experience, and sometimes it is subconscious. It is one of those things that, uh, with that audio, it pulls you into the broadcast, it pulls you into the picture. Um, and when it's not done right, it's uh, it's very noticeable. And when it's done right, you may not notice it, but it, it just definitely pulls you right in. So let's move on to TV ratings, uh, Kartik. Uh, on this section, I purposely removed the Columbus uh, Crew ones because we'll talk about that in the the final uh, segment of the show. But, uh, yeah, some of the numbers, uh, like, feel free to jump into, Karthik, if you see any that that are of interest to you. But, like, the the big one from this past week was uh, 1.2 million people watched the Monterey against Club America match on Univision. And uh, Liga MX is is, is back in terms of some big numbers. This is, like, what, the second or third week in a row that they've had some uh, million-plus numbers. And, Mm. um, yeah, yeah, they continue to... uh, to to rule the the United States in terms of the most viewers uh, for matches.
1: Yeah, um, there were again I. I... Lower numbers than we've seen in the past for Premier League matches this past weekend. 710,000 for Chelsea Bournemouth on NBC, uh, 329 for West Brom Man City on NBCSN, and 327, I thought this would be higher, for Man United Spurs on NBCSN. Granted, it was a 7.30 a.m. kickoff, but we've seen much higher numbers than that for big games at 7.30 a.m. So I'm not not quite sure how how to explain now three weeks after the U.S. Gets eliminated from the World Cup, the, the, the continued to kind of decline in, in Premier League numbers. Although this week will be the big test, right, with the, yeah. the two matches we have on Sunday. Um, Vancouver Seattle, 250,000 on ESPN on Sunday, uh, the Cascadia match, the highest rated game, which did not include Columbus thus far in the MLS playoffs. That's that's a really low number too. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and that's the thing about Kartech too. It's on a Sunday. It's on. Oh, it was at 10:30. I think it was late on Sunday. Um, why are they going up against the NFL on a Sunday? I mean, I mean, you put, you put anything up against the NFL
1: on a Sunday, and it's gonna be a disaster.
0: Um, I just don't understand. I, I think
1: part of it was the late kickoff. Honestly, um, they thought maybe they. I, I really well, should the program listing of the NFL, but maybe the NFL game. Ends before halftime of that uh, late kickoff. Yeah, but, but my my point is actually, I'm sorry. Uh, uh,
0: uh, my point is more so in terms of why is MLS? you mean, having the playoffs and the MLS Cup final and all these most important matches throughout the entire year, why do they have them up against
1: college football, against NFL at this time of the year? It's just it's just madness. A total madness. I mean, I've I've written an article earlier this week for SockTakes of dot uh, com. Uh, you can check it out at SockTakes com about calendar change and. Chris, I, I just don't know. It's so frustrating. It's got to be so incredibly frustrating for Eric Ronaldo, who's running for USSF president is has taken the leave of absence for Fox. And is, uh, this is one of his uh, – Key issues is calendar change, uh, not just from a uh, marketing standpoint as we're talking about here, but also from a, a playing standpoint and integrating the U.S. more more thoroughly in the world game. But uh, any time you raise this issue, you get oh, but we can't do that. It's too cold in the winter. Oh, you know we'll be going up against football more. Oh, no, it's just you can't even have the conversation. We're not even having the adult conversation about this and um there are so many fans who just assume uh what mls is doing and how they schedule or maybe they just don't assume chris maybe they just want to believe it and they don't want to criticize the league or whatever um that how they schedule and the way they're scheduling and the time we're playing and and Our calendar right now is the only option we have. And uh, you wonder why the U.S. is failing in this sport and and flopping at the international level. I mean, this is a a clear example. I mean, uh, And again, I'm I'm not publicly making an endorsement on this show, but I would encourage those who are are more open-minded to listen to some of the arguments Eric Winalda has made about this calendar issue over the course of a number of years. He's now doing it much more aggressively since he's running for USSF president, but it is about the competition MLS has from other sports at the business end of their season and some serious playing issues. And then also check out that article I wrote at SockTakes.com, and you'll see there are – I give seven or eight reasons why I believe the calendar should be shifted.
0: Yeah, I mean, mean, you mentioned the Vancouver-Seattle game. I mean, there was the the Houston-Portland game on FS1 on Monday night, and then the the Red Bulls against Toronto uh, as part of that doubleheader, too, on FS1 on that Monday night. Um, Red Bulls-Toronto had 132,000 people watching that one, and then Houston-Portland had 149,000, which which is pitiful. I mean, it really is for uh, playoffs... Of MLS on a Monday night. I mean, obviously they purposely did it on Monday night, so it wouldn't be on on Sunday. So that would hopefully help the ratings. Uh, didn't help much at all. If if anything, it's probably well, it's probably better. Well, who knows? It, it, it was awful, uh, needless to say. But that's the thing, <laughs> that, too. I, that's really frustrating for me. Is anytime that any types of changes, are, and these are intelligent changes that are want to be raised or discussed about changing anything in MLS, it's seen as an attack. It's seen yeah. as kind of like, how dare you? You mean change anything? Everything is is perfect the way it is, which is not. I mean, and, and that's the thing that's just really frustrating sometimes. Is just that um, it's difficult to have an open dialogue because there's, it, then it becomes just a, a shouting match. And um, and mm-hmm. hopefully, right. whether it's Eric Ronaldo who's been he's been talking about this for years, though, as far as calendar changes. Yeah. Um, I mean, why does it take this long to to try to get anything changed in MLS? It's just uh, incredibly frustrating.
1: No, no and, and the thing that's so disappointing is, and, and I, I, I've said this, I mean, I've talked to all them myself in, in the last few weeks. I mean, I talked to him uh, every now and then, and I made this observation to him, and he agreed. I mean, why is it that after we fail, which we did, um, there is a conversation and an open mind among some of these same people for two or three days as the shock is is kind of, um, being, um, processed. Then they go back into their bunker and say, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Oh, everything's fine. You know, this was just a fluke. The, the ball went one inch wide or whatever, whatever Sunil Gulati said. And, um, at, at that point, uh, you can't have an intelligent, uh, nuanced conversation. You can't even have a nuanced conversation. Um, it's, it's anything you say is then an attack on MLS. It's an attack on U.S. soccer, and it's you're a Euro snob. Uh, you don't understand. Uh, you're trying to hurt, uh, If you do this, the game will destroy. You know, they use these very kind of uh, hyper uh, hi- hi- hyperbole, which is, oh, well, the game will disappear in the U.S. and, and we won't have soccer anymore mm-hmm. um and the game will collapse if you sh- in this case if you shift the calendar uh, okay you really think we're at that point where if you shift to a um to the same calendar by the way youth clubs the same calendar your daughter is playing on <laughs> with right. her youth club right. you shift to that calendar the game will just disappear in this country oh okay if that if, if you really believe that then we can't even have the conversation exactly all right, classic. let's move on to the listener
0: mailbag. Uh, the first uh, comment is from Scott from uh, McAllen, Texas, and, and he sent this in through email. He says, I agree with y'all that the USA crash and the issues surrounding it need to be talked about, like my issue with pay-for-play. Pay um, the day after the game, it was everywhere in sports media in terms of the uh, U.S. crashing out of the World Cup. Uh, Cowherd had a rant and had uh, uh, Lalas on. Twelman, Twelman was on SportsCenter. And Dan Patrick, I believe, had Landon Donovan on. They covered all the issues we are talking about now. But since then, you haven't heard anything from the bigger talking heads. Maybe a a tidbit about uh, Bruce Arena when he resigned. Would it make a difference if they kept the conversation and reporting going? What do you think, Kartik?
1: Yeah, this is my complaint that for two or three days we had great discussions and people were open to the conversations. And... and, uh, The idea of change or the concept of change. And it was just a concept at that point. But then once you you get further down, they they start protecting, uh, protecting themselves again. Now, the the big big thing is now, Chris, it's like any other cycle. Okay, the U.S. is done with qualifying. The U.S. has not had to go to a playoff in previous qualifying. Right. They actually the previous three hexes, they had finished top of the group ahead of Mexico, ahead of Costa Rica. So it's like any other cycle in terms of playing now and then they, now they've got a friendly against Portugal and because they're playing at Portugal you would think oh they're preparing for a World Cup because they're playing one of the best national teams in the world away I think when this will set in is either January when we have the quote camp cupcake and it's um, not in prep to look at deepening the pool in advance of a World Cup um, or maybe it won't happen until the summer when the World Cup is about to kick off and wow we're not talking about the U.S.'s twenty-three. 23- uh, man selection for the World Cup. We're talking about, um, you know, what, what, what uh, player has made a last-ditch last, uh, last ditch run with their form in European uh, leagues or in MLS to, to, to make the team, but we're talking about the... Um, everyone else that maybe we can start having the conversation again in a mainstream fashion but right now yeah they've uh, the elites in New soccer have have moved past it and it's like any other time for them and it's uh, business as usual so um to scott i would say there is a possibility we can reopen this but um yeah it hurts that that um, people have just moved on, and the same people who were upset on the night of October 10th and were in shock and um, saying the right things on the 11th, 12th, and 13th now on November 2nd as we record record the show are um, business-as-usual types. Oh, there's no big deal. Uh, Whatever. You know, maybe the World Cup doesn't even matter anymore, right, because the U.S. isn't in it. So how could it matter as an event?
0: Which for some people, that, that's true, definitely. I mean, I mean, obviously not for us or for our listeners, but uh, some people believe that. Uh, moving on to the next um, question, this is from <coughs> pardon me, uh, Ian Jett uh, through Twitter. And he says, uh, so my idea is an MLS network. It'll give league, national exposure, and it gives fans uh, one place to go to get their coverage, plus highlights, analysis, player profiles, and shows. Based on the league and, and maybe even e- USL, plus game of the week for the big games, not on FS1 or F- or ESPN. Uh, tons of pros, but a few cons too. Since both mentioned, both you and I, Karthik, mentioned lack of viewers for MLS TV ratings and the US men's national team out of the World Cup. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I uh, think it's a great idea, Ian, and it's an idea that's been uh, tossed around for a while. Uh, The thing is, MLS is never willing to commit the resources to uh, something like this. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, In 2009, they had the opportunity to buy buy USL if they just come in with enough money. Then- have their own system and not have to create this affiliation agreement and and, um, agreements to house reserve teams, et cetera. And they didn't come in with enough money to buy USL because they're not, they're not, they're by nature, pretty risk averse. So New Rock uh, led by Alec Papadakis uh, came up with enough money uh, that that Nike was asking for, and they sold the league to him. And then three years later, MLS had to work uh, an affiliate agreement with USL. So they had an opportunity to buy the league directly under them at the time. Uh, that was this was before the creation of NASL and and Papadakis buying uh, buying USL led directly to the creation of NASL and uh, team owners splitting off. But the point is they were risk averse then. Then more recently, this New York Cosmos example, which has shown up in court, right, uh, uh, in this antitrust lawsuit, which NASL's attorneys are using to show that some and U.S. soccer are trying to monopolize our inclusion and trying to monopolize the sport of this country. To offer $5 million, which is a pittance for the New York Cosmos, uh, is laughable. If you really wanted to stamp out the competition and be effective, you offer 15 or $20, $20 million. You make sure Rocco Camiso doesn't get in there, and you be, you, you, you're done with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um I have seen through the years when it comes to massive expenditures of resources with maybe the exception of PRO um, and the money MLS put in to, to, to start PRO and VAR, these sorts of right. uh, refereeing-related things, right. that there there is a – general risk aversion to pooling a lot of money into a single thing, launching a single product or to buying a single product. So I don't think MLS has the, um, has the willingness to do even what USL did because USL um, as a league, and then keep in mind, they're run differently. They're not run by their owners the way MLS is. Uh, They have an independent company New Rock read by Alec Papadakis, managing them. Um, We've talked about it before on this show that USL, uh, put a lot of their resources that they were getting from expansion fees and, and member dues into launching USL Productions, which is based here in Fort Lauderdale, down the street from me. MLS, I don't think, has the, um, the wherewithal to do something which would be on a much grander scale because it's a much big, bigger league, much more money, um, to launch a television network. So while in, 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 I, in theory it's a great idea and you can show uh, MLS games, U.S. soccer, USL, uh, um you know uh, even some college soccer women's soccer obviously uh, i I don't think it's uh it's something they're going to do because they just they are they're too risk averse to do that
0: mm-hmm. yeah in regards to ian's comments I, I think in some ways that mls already has it uh not exactly like he's looking for but mls live is essentially what it what he's talking about it's uh you mean a, a subscription service that you can sign up for and uh, you know, watch a lot of these games online and have some additional programming available. Um, but at the end of the day, the most important factor, and the this same, this same thing applies to the Premier League and Bundesliga and you name it, any of the major leagues in the in, in the world, is that um, it's TV money that's, that's driving the leagues. That's that's Bringing in the mass, uh, uh, the greatest share of money—that's paying. I mean, the millions of dollars for these um, player contracts, and it's so you're looking at, say, Fox Sports, Univision, even ESPN, NBC, all these other um, sports broca- broadcasters, BN Sports, etc. They're the ones that are paying. I mean, the millions. Uh, and you know, collectively around the world, you're in the billions of dollars uh, to these leagues and to these clubs. So so for MLS to start up its own TV network, um, they, the, for it to be a success, they would have to make sure in terms of subscriptions, uh, having large numbers of people um, you mean subscribing to that and being able to generate more money from that than they could from uh, you know, the deals with Fox and Univision, et cetera. And the challenge is, is that... Um, up until this point is that the tv deals for mls are combined with the u.s men's national team so when fox and espn and univision go big in on a, a big you know six-year deal with mls it's for mls and u.s men's national team uh, combined so um mls is just a, a, a portion of that so collectively mls gains from that as well as uh U.S.S.F. gains from that in terms of uh, working together to get uh, more money rather than going separately and probably getting um, less of a deal. So it's um, it's a good idea. It's just I, uh, with the current business model, the way it is, it's not going to work. And I think MLS Live is um, probably the best thing as, that's as close as possible to what he's thinking about, uh, Ian, but uh, not quite what you're expecting, I don't, I don't think. But But that's just the state of the industry that we're in. So, um, so listeners, if you do have any questions for us or any feedback, we'd love to read that out on air, um, anything in regards to watching soccer on TV or online, you can reach us through email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com, through Twitter at WSoccerTalk, or through Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Now, moving on to our feature topic of the week, Kartik, and this one is uh, – the title of it is How Columbus Crew, how the controversy with Columbus Crew is the best thing that could happen to MLS. And I say this actually from, from personal experience because it's one of those things that uh, in this past week, I've probably watched more MLS games than I have in the past few months because largely a part of it is Columbus Crew. It's, it's one of those things that I want to see what's happening to this team. I want to see – you mean on, on the pitch – I mean, are they playing any differently? What's, what's happening in, in, in the stadium in terms of the reaction from the fans? Uh, can they go all the way in, in, in advance in this tournament? Um, to me, that's the thing about Major League Soccer is it's a, such a squeaky clean league, the way it's run. Um, there's not a lot of controversy, and, and part of that is controlled because MLSsoccer.com, is for the, the most part uh, kind of the source for m- most Major League Soccer news, and unless it's on a, on a team-by-team basis. But even then, most of the news comes out of mlssoccer.com. So it's com- it comes out of a a website that's very controlled in terms of the messaging, in terms of what they cover. So there's not a lot of uh, investigative reporters or beat reporters or breaking stories about some of the things that are happening. Yes, incidents happen with players, you I know, mean, DOIs and you know domestic violence and stuff like that, which which is horrible, but nothing happens really on on kind of a national scale. And this Columbus Crew story is a national story that involves MLS. It doesn't make MLS look good at any in any way, but it does make TV viewers want to watch Columbus Crew play. What do you what do you think, Korte?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that there's an in- increased interest in watching um Columbus play seeing if they can uh maybe head off this move by winning a title in Columbus what happens if Columbus hosts MLS Cup I it's definitely creating a spike in ratings I mean to the point where I think I've casually watched the other MLS playoff games I've had them on we talked about it in in what we've watched Uh, but the Columbus matches I've watched every second of and have been uh captivated by particularly the game against New York uh, at home the other night and that will happen, assuming they're a four, four one up on aggregate barring a disaster they 'll have a home match in the next round against uh, likely toronto and I think and that 's a big rivalry too, because of the the, the distance between the two um, two clubs I, I, I think one of the uh, the things now for MLS is how do they handle this i mean the, the, the short term bump has been good in terms of getting eyeballs on their product, but it also is feeding even further anger about Anthony Precourt and the potential move, and uh, even the talk of conspiracy theories about uh, did they uh, deliberately uh, uh, have additional security at this game against New York City FC so that there would be photos of empty seats taken and circulated to make it look like, you know, to justify the move, right? Mm-hmm. And then there has been a lot of talk in the last uh, 36 hours that they under the attendance from the match. You know, we, we always complain that MLS spikes their attendance and, and embellishes their attendance that uh, in a favorable way, that they actually may have underreported the attendance from this match uh, in order, again, to justify the move. So um, MLS's PR operation, which for years has been really sound and, and, and um, fine-tuned, is having a little bit of a hard time with this. But I think it is certainly creating a lot of interest in Columbus games from soccer fans who don't necessarily watch the MLS playoffs otherwise, you know, people who watch the Premier League, watch Champions League, etc.
0: Yeah, so so looking at the TV numbers, so for this uh, past week, so the the Halloween night, Tuesday night match uh, between Columbus and New York City FC on ESPN, that one had 424,000 viewers. Which, uh, which is incredible. I mean, for a Halloween night, and um, also, I think, was it World Series that night? I can't remember. But anyway, that, that is, that's a big number. Uh, the week before, last week, uh, Atlanta against Columbus uh, on ESPN2, that was on a Thursday night from, I think, like 7 to 9 o'clock Eastern, and that had 309,000 viewers, which, again, is a great number. Of course, that's a little bit of the kind of there's definitely a lot of soccer fans are, that like the way that Atlanta play. So there's a lot of uh, people watching, tuning in to watch that. But for the first time in a long time, we've got a team, Karthik, that I think – nationally, soccer fans can gravitate around. So there's those fans that hate MLS, that, that hate everything about U.S. soccer. We'll, but we'll probably tune in to watch this because now they're going to be trying to support Columbus, I think, hoping that they go far in this tournament just to shake things up a little bit. And just, you mean, in terms of that squeaky clean image that we've had before that we mentioned, is um, have some conversations, have some topics. And I like this week, too, how on ESPN, I think at Halftime, for the uh, Columbus-NYCFC uh, game. Uh, they zoomed in on you mean, on fans in the crowd. On, you mean, There was one guy holding a, a pumpkin, and he carved out uh, hashtag Save the Crew, and they kind of zoomed in on that. So they're having intelligent, serious, honest, open conversations about this, and it, it is something that's important not just to Columbus Crew fans and not to MLS haters, but just any soccer fans in the United States in terms of if this, if this can happen to Columbus, this could happen to any team in, in Major League Soccer. And what does this mean about the, the identity of the teams of, of you mean of of the clubs in the united states it 's a great conversation and it 's a great topic and, and i 'm sure MLs is probably hating life in terms of everything that 's happening. but the worst possible scenario for mls is that um, that the crew get knocked knocked out of the next round then all of a sudden there 's going to be a lot of people that uh, won 't tune in perhaps or maybe or maybe not maybe it's the crew has gotten people to watch these mls games and those fans might go on and maybe watch more of these games for the later rounds, even if the crew's not in it. Um, the worst possible scenario for MLS is that the crew go, goes all the way to the final
1: and wins MLS Cup. Imagine if that happens. Yeah, I, I think that there's a there's a strong possibility that happens at this point because uh, Toronto, they would have to get by. I but if they get by Toronto, they'd probably be favored against any Western Conference team. Honestly, yeah. uh, the way the season has has gone, and and the fact that Columbus is now on a long unbeaten streak, um, they got a number of draws in there, but they haven't they haven't actually lost a game I think in about two months now, uh, which is often forgotten in this conversation because uh, they were playing well when pre court when this whole thing came out. They were arguably at the time the hardest team in Major League Soccer. And the conversation went from, "Hey, this is a dark horse team that, because MLS has a playoff system and doesn't award their champion in a traditional way, uh, they're the hot team entering the playoffs or the hot team entering the cup comp- competition, so to speak, uh, that they could win it." To, "Oh my goodness, you know, they, this, uh, they're, they're probably going to just bow out because uh, how are the players going to react? It, it is, um, it is a." Ca- 22 for MLS, I think the the longer Columbus is in the spotlight, uh, the more we're talking about these maps. Now, short-term, it's great because it gets more eyeballs on the product. It gets higher uh, television ratings. It gives MLS the opportunity to convince some skeptics who might be tuning in as kind of an anti-MLS thing, as you you said earlier, uh, an opportunity to convince them that their actual on-field product is pretty good. Um, But again, uh, long-term, they... Don't want to have this conversation. I mean, it's a very uncomfortable conversation, especially given now the potential for uh, legal action or litigation in in Bear County, uh, just south of Travis County and and uh, Austin in, in the San Antonio area.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll close on this, and that, that was uh, Taylor Twellman uh, talking about the Euro 2016 tournament when he was in in France um, for, for the month, uh, f- focusing, I mean, doing the commentating and uh, studio analysis. But he said afterwards, he said that um, the MLS talking points, the stories that were going into the European Championship in early June of that, of that summer, uh, when he came back from France and came back to the United States, um, it, was this, it was the same talking points. Nothing had changed. There was nothing else to talk about. It was just the same topics that had been mentioned in, in an entire month uh, earlier. So it is something that um, – it, it's exciting. It's exciting because you don't know what's going to happen. It uh, adds a whole level of soap opera and drama to, to Major League Soccer it's, that's been missing uh, so much for such a long time so uh yeah it's 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 fascinating watching and it's it's good television at the end of the day which is which is what mls wants so um sometimes i think they just need to kind of loosen the screws a little bit and and just let things breathe rather than being so controlling and so i mean monopolizing in many ways
1: yeah no i, I, I absolutely uh agree but that's just not in their nature as a league mm mm-hmm.
0: right all right, Karthik, so you've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I know it's a busy time of the year for you, but uh, where can listeners find you on the Internet if you want to catch up on your latest stories or
1: uh, your, your rants and raves? Yeah, so uh, Twitter, KKFLA737, obviously at our site at worldsoccertalk.com. I've written a couple of pieces this week uh, at socktakes.com. I'll, I'll be uh, contributing occasionally to that site, which is uh, partially run, uh, partly run by... Uh, uh, our, our former host of this podcast and its previous incarnation, uh, Nipoon Chopra, and uh, also contribute in various other places, First america et cetera.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. And if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football.